You can meet and hear journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, LCMS President Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordleone, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. I cannot say I love God, but reject the body that He's given me. Europeans abandon their churches, but Americans secularize their churches. That's what's happening here. Benedict was a theologian. He was very concerned with speaking clearly, precisely. You always know what he means when he speaks and writes. Much of the confusion in the Roman Catholic Church with the Francis papacy has been sown by ambiguity. And when we experience the weakness, the frailty, the sin within our own marriages and family, take heart. The fulfillment of what God intended for marriage is finally found in Christ. New York City subway riders love issues, etc. The Church of England has been debating same-sex marriage for some time now, and the bishops recently huddled in order to come up with a workable proposal. What they came out with was obviously a compromise. They are trying to thread the needle, and that's why Carl Truman, writing in First Things, has called their proposal on same-sex marriage in the Church of England a solution that is not a solution. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Thursday afternoon, January the 19th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Jeff Walton of the Institute on Religion and Democracy joins us to talk about the Church of England's bishop's proposals on same-sex marriage. We'll go through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Dr. John Bombaro, author of a recent column titled Very Superstitious, A History of the Sign of the Cross, will join us to talk about making the sign of the cross. And then our series on responding to Roman Catholic proof texts continues with Dr. Stephen Parks, Concordia University, Irvine, California. We'll be talking about proof texting early church fathers. Jeff Walton is Anglican Program Director for the Institute on Religion and Democracy based in Washington, D.C. He joins us to talk about the Church of England bishop's proposal on same-sex marriage. Jeff, welcome. Hello, Todd. Thanks for having me. What decision did the Church of England's bishops reach on same-sex marriage recently? They have crafted a proposal which would effectively allow the blessing of same-sex civil marriages but would not provide for a liturgy of same-sex weddings within the church. Additionally, there are proposals for an apology to be issued by the Archbishop of Canterbury to LGBTQ identifying persons for past injustices committed against them. And essentially, there are also loosened standards as far as regards to clergy sexual conduct. The existing Church of England practices are that clergy that are outside of um, marriage should not be engaged in sexual conduct, and effectively this proposal would back away from that and make it okay for those clergy that are in um, same-sex civil unions to be involved in sexual intimacy. Carl Truman, writing at First Things, compared the Church of England's decision to refuse to perform same-sex marriages to Neville Chamberlain's piece in our time, 
compromise. Truman says the solution is, of course, no solution. How do you respond? It is not going to be a long-term solution. The main purpose of this is to keep the Church of England together between two diametrically opposed factions that have a different understanding, not simply on same-sex blessings or marriages, but on deeper issues of the authority of Scripture, of which same-sex marriage is merely a presenting issue. Because of that, this will effectively kick the can down the road. The Archbishop of Canterbury isn't looking to solve this issue. He's looking to prevent a widening schism within the Church of England and within the broader Anglican communion of which it is a part. How long has the Church of England been dealing with LBGTQ issues? This has been on the table for decades. While the culture which the Church of England ministers has moved rapidly in a revisionist direction in regards to marriage, to obviously UK civil law allows for same-sex marriage. And since the Church of England is an established state church, there are calls for it to reflect what is already in civil law. How likely is the General Senate, which is approaching rapidly, how are they likely to receive the bishop's proposal? That's a good question. I am not certain of what the outcome will be when they meet. There is a relatively high bar for changing church law. There are three separate orders, bishops, clergy, and laity. And in each of those orders, a proposed change in church law must secure a two-thirds majority. In the past, there have been cases where two of those three orders have had an overwhelming supermajority and have just fallen short in another order. I do think that bishops tend to be one of the more conservative orders. So if a supermajority of bishops fall in line behind this negotiated proposal, then that probably would make it more likely than not to take effect. However, I don't want to say anything to discourage those who are traditionalists within the Church of England, because there have often been negotiated things behind closed doors that when they come into the sunshine of public discussion, the dynamics change. So we'll see what happens next month when the Senate meets. What would be required by canon law to alter the Church's teaching and practice on marriage? Well, like I said, it would be a vote of a two-thirds supermajority from each of those three houses. So what you're going to need is basically something approaching, not quite a consensus, but pretty close to it, among laity, clergy, and bishops. What has been proposed is a negotiated package from the bishops themselves, but they are not the only authority in regards to changing church law in this regard. Some lawmakers in England point out that same-sex marriage is illegal, and they say that the church should fall in line. How do you respond? The big disagreement here is also looking at what is the Church of England's role, and it doesn't exist in isolation. It is part of the Anglican Communion, which is a global family of just over 40 national churches that are descended from the Church of England's missionary activities. And those provinces, as they're referred to in Anglican nomenclature, are all accountable to one another, and they should be in conversation with one another before they unilaterally enact any kind of decision. Now, there are provinces within Anglican Communion, 
including the U.S.-based Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church in Canada, and the Scottish Episcopal Church, which are very progressive on this and have already moved into a period of allowing same-sex marriages in their church liturgies. However, the vast majority of Anglican churches across the world and the vast majority of Anglican members would not agree with that. The other thing to think about, too, is that Anglicans themselves don't exist within isolation, but exist as part of the broader church Catholic in the sense that we're looking across distance and across time to what other Christians have understood about the role of marriage. And that is a very clear statement. What has happened historically is that the church has understood marriage is between one man and one woman, and it is for life. That is something that is now at variance with what we're seeing in English culture, where unlike the Episcopal Church, which raced ahead of the American population in the early 2000s to embrace these things, the British population is already moved in a more religious direction than the Church of England. So uh, there's a, a very significant difference here in the cultural pressure that's being applied in England for this change to take place. That being said, I think that it's important for Christians to look at what the church has historically understood and what Christians across the world understand about marriage. And again, marriage is a presenting issue to deeper issues about scriptural authority, who is the person of Jesus Christ, and what does that require of us as Christians? Does Parliament have any say over the Church of England? Because the Church of England is an established church, it does have a relationship with the government, and the church has a voice in the House of Lords. There are a number of bishops that are known as Lords Spiritual, which include the Archbishop of Canterbury, who have the ability to come and speak to public policy. And there are processes in the government by which bishops are appointed. Unlike in the United States, in the U.S. Episcopal Church, where bishops are elected by their diocese, there is a commission of sorts which does the appointments, and it's quasi-governmental. However, that being said, the Church of England's role for most people in the United Kingdom is primarily ceremonial. So the government is very unlikely to insert itself to mandate that something be changed within the Church's liturgies. There are some key distinctions here, though, that are worth noting, and one is simply that one of the parliamentary leaders for the Conservative Party has written her diocesan bishop and asked that this policy be changed, and of course, being a high-profile public figure, that is going to raise the issue and its profile. But that doesn't give the UK government the ability to unilaterally implement changes within the church. As you know, in the US, the United Methodist Church is in the process of splitting up over same sex marriage and other LGBTQ issues. Is a split in the Church of England a possibility in the future? In some ways, splits have already and continue to occur. Conservatives who are within the Church of England have been gradually creating their own structures and networks in which to operate and to interact with other Anglicans overseas who share their traditionalist viewpoints. 
within that, there have also been congregations that have left the Church of England already to associate with uh, what's called the Anglican Mission in England. There's a large traditionalist body known as the Global Anglican Future Conference, which counts a significant number of worldwide Anglicans. And that entity has created an oversight body for those churches that are seeking to leave the Church of England. So there's already some splits underway. However, they're fairly low level, and they're, they're pretty localized. I do not know if we are going to see this kind of large, visible, public split within the Church of England that we saw in the U.S. Episcopal Church in the mid-2000s. It may happen, or it may not. But uh, one thing I can say is that this proposal by the bishops to change church law on the blessing of same-sex civil marriages is not going to resolve the issue. There are deeper things that undergird this that have to do with what do people see as the source of authority in interpreting Scripture, and how do Christians operate in a society in which, like the in the United Kingdom, they're in a, a privileged state. And uh, will that result eventually in a disestablishment if they don't go along with what the culture says? Probably not, but I don't know at this point. It's too early to say. Jeff Walton is Anglican Program Director for the Institute on Religion and Democracy based in Washington, D.C. You'll find a link to the Institute on Religion and Democracy at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Jeff, thanks. Thanks so much, Todd. Have a good day. When we come back, listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. It's Thursday, January the 19th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start. The Foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes. Dedicated customer service and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House. Listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House. cph.org. If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. Bequests aren't subject to federal tax or capital gains taxes. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the Word of the Lord endures forever. Talk radio for the thinking Christian. You're listening to Issues Etc. Since 1973, pro-life advocates have been gathering annually in Washington, D.C. to march for unborn life. And since the overturning of Roe v. Wade last year, this movement has taken on new direction and new focus. To learn more, pick up your copy of the January issue of The Lutheran Witness, titled Life After Roe, and learn more about what the pro-life movement is now doing to stand up for life. Visit cph.org witness or witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. You wish your classical school could do more for struggling learners? Uncertain where to begin? The Memoria Press Schools Division includes Cheryl Swope, 
author of Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. The school's division will happily assist your school. Memoria Press offers an entire line of special needs resources for teaching math, reading, spelling, and more. Contact schools at memoriapress.com or order directly from simplyclassical.com with coupon code LPR23.